Guys, you can go ahead and start finding uh, Acts chapter 16. And while you're doing, I just want to mention a couple of things. Uh, Don't forget that you have a month to nominate. There are blue cards. I've got some down here, um, I think. Um, Well, if you're going to nominate anybody that you think should be in the office of elder, this is the time to do it. One other quick thing. I will not be here next Sunday. Um, uh, I'm... I'm going away somewhere. Um, but the guy who will be preaching next week is a, is a guy that we consider really kind of a son of the church. His name is Lester Newsom. Uh, Lester went on to become bigger and better things, um, or to do bigger. He is the area director of RUF in this vicinity. So uh, don't miss Lester. I think you'll find him an absolute delight. Uh, his mother goes to church here. His, parent, his father did before he died. And, um, and I worked with him when I was at Central Church and introduced him to Reformed Theology so many years ago. And, and he calls this place. If he said he had to choose a church home, this would be it. So I think you'll enjoy hearing from Lester Newsom. He's, he's quite an accomplished uh, representative. <clears throat> now, before I read my text, I want to give you a little history lesson which I hope will help you appreciate my text more. You, of course, have heard of the name of Paul, uh, the guy that wrote so much of the New Testament. Well, you know his name was Saul, and it got changed to Paul. You know that. Uh, He was converted, as you may already know, um, on his way to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, and that is recounted for you in Acts chapter 9. Um, then um, he moves on, uh, he moves away from Jerusalem, and um, in Acts 11, I think, yeah, Acts 11, um, Barnabas goes to Tarsus to find him, you know, Saul of Tarsus. Well, uh, Barnabas, the church is expanding at such a rapid rate that Barnabas goes to find him and finds him in Tarsus and gets him to come help with the expansion of the church. Um, Then in chapter 13 of Acts 16, or or of the book of Acts, chapter 13, um, Paul and Barnabas are sent out on the first missionary journey. Now, you may already know that there were three missionary journeys. Paul and Barnabas strike out on the first one, Uh, in Acts 13. You get that recounted for you in Acts 13, Acts 14. Then in Acts 15, um, there's a big church conflab that is called for Jerusalem because there's there's a controversy in the church about whether circumcision is required. And so Paul and Barnabas attend that that church meeting back in Jerusalem in chapter 15. Towards the end of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, Paul sets out on his second missionary journey, and that's that scene, you remember, where he and Barnabas disagreed over John Mark. And so John Mark and um, Barnabas go in one direction, and Paul and Silas go into another direction. That occurs at the close of chapter 15. So the second missionary journey is underway in chapter 16. 
<clears throat> they're moving around uh, trying to uh, broadcast the gospel wherever they can. And early in that chapter, that is where Paul gets that somewhat famous Macedonian call. You remember in a vision at night, um, this man from Macedonia says, come over and help us. And so he moves from the Asian continent over to the European continent. Um, And he ends up, at least early on, in a city known as Philippi. You know, the book of Philippians is written to the church at the city of Philippi. Okay. Now, while in Philippi, things unravel. Um, First of all, uh, he and Silas go down to the river where the ladies are washing clothes. He preaches the gospel and the Lord opens the heart of Lydia. You may recall that. She's the seller of purple. And Lydia becomes a Christian. And so regularly, Paul and Silas return to the riverside to do the same thing, to preach the gospel there. On one of those occasions, they come upon a young woman. This is in 1616. They come upon a young woman who's a slave girl who has a spirit of divination. Now, exactly what that is, I don't know, a spirit of divination. But apparently she is a um, sorceress of some sort. And she keeps yelling about Paul and Silas. Finally, Paul has had enough, and he turns around and he rebukes her and exorcises that demon out of this woman. Now, that's all wonderful, except for one thing. She has some owners that are making a lot of money off of her sorceries. And these owners are very upset that um, now their, their source of income has been ruined by this Paul guy. And so beginning of verse 19, they stir up a hornet's nest there in Philippi. Um, they, uh, they drag them into this, uh, this place, um, and it says in verse 20, these, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. <clears throat> Everybody is up in arms, and they beat Paul and Silas. Just beat them up. And then those in charge of the riot say to others, or say to the city jailer, take these two and lock them up. And we'll get to them tomorrow. We'll maybe beat them up some more tomorrow. (laughs) Um, That's in verse 24. Or actually, that order's in 23. So the jailer takes the two of them, already beat up, and puts Paul and Silas in the inner part of the jail. Now, let me read my text. Beginning at verse 25 of 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. 
When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. I remember when I first became a Christian, um, you know, I was raised in the church, and I, I, I guess I had heard this before. I, I don't ever remember having heard it. But I remember having become a Christian at age 22, and stumbling, either somebody told me or I stumbled across it myself. And I thought, how could you miss this? I mean, what an evangelist dream. Uh, buddy, uh, could you tell me how I could become a Christian? You ever had that happen to you? Neither have I. You ever been sitting on an airplane and somebody says, hey, you look like a nice fella. Could you tell me how to become a Christian? No, never happened to me. But of course, that's really not rightly representing this story because you got this whole earthquake thing and you got the riot the day before and you got the, the guys who are beaten up and you know bruised and bleeding and 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 then you got them singing hymns at night and and uh, then the earthquake and all the doors fly open and everybody's unfastened and the jailer concludes oh my gosh they're all out and i'm gonna die i might as well kill myself anyway But instead, Paul says, don't do that. We're all here. And so he rushes into the jail cell and says, um, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, well, let's start in the book of Genesis. And let's, let's, let's go through creation. Make sure you got that down. And then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss, uh, you know, some of the, the principles of uh, Old Testament history with you. And then we, we want to introduce you to, uh, you know, Isaiah 53, which is about this. His answer is simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I remember finding it and thinking, How could I have missed this for so long? Really, ladies and gentlemen, 
Could it be any simpler? Yes. It could be simpler. Right here. Guys, this is simple, yes. But it's simplicity through the ear gate. This is the gospel heard. This is the gospel seen. Not only seen, but you're about to handle it. You're about to have it in your hands. <clears throat> you know, Rome tells us that, that this is actually the body of Christ. Of course, we disagree with such things. But it does symbolize, represent, point to the body of Christ. And you're about to have this in your hand. And then you're going to take one of these in your hand. Which, of course, symbolizes his blood. And so here you have the gospel in simplicity. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And here, you have the gospel in more simplicity. <laughs> because I can see it. That's what this sacrament is, ladies and gentlemen. It's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ being played out before your very eyes and in your very hands. How can you miss it? Father, <clears throat> I do pray that you would permit it to be true. That nobody in this room misses it. That everybody in this room gets it and sees it and enjoys it and understands it and, and embraces it and, and believes it and and benefits by it and, and ultimately spend an eternity with you because of their embrace of this simple message, both heard and then seen and then felt and then tasted. Father, if you brought anyone here today who has not yet met our Savior, might they see him in all his living beauty via this sacrament. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.